yeah, when I was in high school, like I was coming to Grace Youth. Um, I would talk to people, and they would be like friendly, like on a surface level, but like it wasn't really like deep or anything. And like that kind of hurt after a while. So like I would just find myself like I would show up, and then like as soon as I could, like I would find like an opportunity to just like escape, and like find somewhere like just go sit until like it was like all over, and then um, I would just go and then leave. Well, I would hope when people come to church, they would like be excited, like look forward to it all week. And when they get there, like just always have somebody to say hello to or just like feel like they're involved and like they have like a home at church is like how they should feel. I did not feel that way at the time. I just, I felt like I was just coming, like I was just a person that was here. And then after Sunday, like that would be it. Then I would just come at the next Sunday not really say hi to anybody, just, I was just kind of there. Because I went off to school, I started coming back more regular when I came home after my freshman year of college. After, like, I gave small groups at Grace, like, another shot, and I started going to young adults. Jordan Crawford, like, he would text me, like, every single Monday, like, Will, are you coming tonight? And I'd be like, uh, maybe. I started talking to people more there, and I just felt, um, like, I have, like, a group of people that I can, like, rely on and, like, to talk about, like, my faith or, like, just to lift me up or, like, pray for me and, like, I could do the same for them. And I didn't really have that before. I just felt like I had, like, a home here at the church as more as I kept going to young adults. Yeah, I feel like if you are feeling the way that I did, um, you just have to hop in somewhere. You just have to, like, force yourself to do it because that's what I did, because I was terrified at first, but like, it's really not as bad as like your mind is making it to be. Like, it always turns out to be like, better. Like, you just never know, like, it can just shock you. And like, after doing it for a while, you just look back and be like, why was I ever scared to do that? So like, you just have to force yourself to like, get out there. I always, like how Pastor Doug on Sunday says, like, you can't walk faithfully in isolation. Like, you need, like, a group of people to walk successfully with Jesus. And I found that just very true. Good morning. There, thank you. Thank you. Hey, there's probably no one in the room that's more ADD than I am. Um, man, it is so hard for me. That I have a thousand things going through my head. All of the announcements I want to talk about because all of them are awesome. There's so many good things going on when I watch that video with Will. Uh, it's just, that is the message. Like, I'm going to still do it because that's what I get paid for, but that's the message. Like, you got to connect me on Sunday morning. You got to plug yourself in. You got to get involved. Um, so hopefully that all comes through. I want to remind you about the celebration next week. Uh, if you come to the 9 o'clock service here next week, uh, you will be alone because we won't be here. Uh, we're all going to be at Baldick Park. If you don't know where Baldick Park is, it's, it's four blocks this way and about six blocks that way. So if you go up to Mac, uh, turn off on Warren, you'll see the park right there. Maybe when you leave here, you want to do a little... Uh, 
reconnaissance trip and make sure you know where it is. Uh, but we've invested uh, in partnership with Eagle Sports about $2 million uh, renovating that park over the last 20 years. And one of the things that we did, yeah, it's pretty cool. One of the things that we did is we built a championship baseball field. Uh, cost over a million dollars. We wanted to create a place where the kids in the city of Detroit could play ball on a field just as good as any suburban kids. Uh, so we raised the money and built that baseball diamond. And that's where we're going to meet on the championship field. So when you go to Balduck, uh, right off of Warren, there's one field. It's called the UAW Ford Field because they gave us the most money. Uh, you can... Uh, See where it is, figure out where to park. There's parking in the back, there's street parking, there's a small parking lot right there by, but we'll also be running a shuttle from Grace, and there's going to be food trucks for afterwards. So that service starts at 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll have worship, we'll have a short message, uh, then we're just going to celebrate what God has done in this church uh, for the last 125 years. So don't come here at 9 o'clock, go there, okay? I also want to just make sure that I give a voice and thank uh, those who filled in for me while I was gone. So, Meg and Jordan and Josh, Kevin, Stacy, Matt, uh, everybody brought it. Everybody really uh, did their homework, listened to the Spirit, uh, brought a word from God. Uh, I just was very uh, touched by all of your messages, and I know that the body was too. So, let's thank them one more time for doing that. And then I also just want to say thank you for giving Meg and I that season every year to just step away and uh, do a time of reflection and rest. So we take August off and we couldn't do that if you didn't make it available to us. So thank you, Grace, for your generosity there. All right. For the last several years, we have used this particular Sunday, the first Sunday after school gets going, uh, is what we call Vision Sunday. Uh, it's an opportunity for us just to, to launch the fall season and to talk about who we are as a church, what we do as a church, uh, why we do what we do, kind of the... the uh, theology and the thought behind how we have uh, uh, put the church together, if you will. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do this morning. And I want to start with our mission statement. And uh, whenever we do the mission statement, I ask you to say it with me. So what is our mission statement? Very good. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And uh, I would tell you that every single one of these words have been thought about, debated, uh, we've, we've spent literally months uh, putting this together and, and thinking about it when it first came into uh, fruition. But the, the word I want to talk about first is this idea of mosaic. So here at Grace, uh, there's a lot of intentionality that goes into us being a very diverse community. When we talk about mosaic, we talk about young and old. We talk about rich and poor. We talk about ethnic diversity. Uh, we talk, one of the things that, that I grew into as I led here at Grace in, in my understanding is one of the ways that we are a mosaic is we have a wide swath of people that come from very different past religious experiences, some non-Christian religious experience, but even within the Christian faith, we have people that come out of a, a Pentecostal background, people that come out of a high church background. We have this... this uh, uh, collage, if you will, this mosaic of different uh, backgrounds, and that, that forms what we need to teach to, what we need to, to think about. So, so we are a mosaic, and we believe that this is God's calling, that the Bible is very clear. We just went through Revelation, every tribe, every nation. 
So when the Apostle Paul is talking about the, the church in Galatia, he says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, not male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what he is doing is describing the early church. He is literally describing the, the group of people who are meeting together. The, the first century church, right, was, was this scandalous literally scandalous group of people who met together. Rich and poor did not co-mingle, right? Jews and Gentiles didn't worship together. And even more scandalous was the fact that they were meeting in homes. They were meeting around food. They were sitting at the table together. It just wasn't done. That was one of the most scandalous parts of Jesus' ministry is that he sat at the table with people who others said they are not worthy of you sitting at the table with us. So there's this beautiful, scandalous picture of the early church, and we believe that the church in this century should look similar to the church in the first century. So the other thing about that passage in Galatians that Paul gives us is, is I think he gives us the secret sauce. Like the, the only way that the mosaic actually works is when he says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. No one stopped being male and female. That is, that is a God-given thing. Gender is, is by God. We go back to Genesis. We're going to see when we study the book of Genesis that God made them male and female. So they didn't stop being male and female. They didn't stop being Jews or Gentile. Their ethnicity wasn't, wasn't given away. They didn't have to stop any of that. They didn't, they didn't have to give up their economic standing, right? The, the idea here is Paul is saying everyone has lots of identity markers, parent, ethnicity, your social standing. We have all kinds of social markers. And what he's saying is the most important social marker in your life has to be Jesus. And if anything else becomes, listen to me, the word here is primary identity marker. If anything else becomes your primary identity marker, it could even be being a mother. It could be uh, being a banker, whatever. There's all kinds of things that we can elevate above Jesus. It could be our political leaning. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's all kinds of things that we can put above. And what he's saying is unless Jesus is first, you will have conflict. So one of the challenges of being a mosaic is we have to continually and intentionally make Jesus our primary identity marker so that we can be with people who have different thoughts and different ways of seeing the world, right, and still be one in community. So we are a mosaic, and the second part of that is striving to live like Jesus. And what I want you to hear there is, is this is a lifelong process. None of us arrive uh, we didn't write the mission statement, we are a mosaic living like Jesus, because we know we all fall short of that. But this is the very heart of discipleship, is that we are growing more and more and more like Jesus in the way that we think, in the way that, that, that we love, in the way that we move towards people. So we are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. The very meaning, if you will, of being a disciple is to become like the person you are a disciple of. So if you're a guitar player, for instance, and you decide you want to be a disciple of my favorite guitar player, which is Stevie Ray Vaughan, then you're going to listen to his music and you're going to study how his fingers move and you're going to listen to the different licks that he plays on the guitar. And, and as you study Stevie Ray Vaughan, you're 
<coughs> excuse me, music in your playing of the guitar is going to become more and more like Stevie Ray Vaughan. And chances are you're never going to arrive because <laughs> he's pretty darn good. But that's what it means to be a disciple. We look at the life of Jesus. We study the life of Jesus. We learn from the life of Jesus. And we want our lives to reflect that more and more and more. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. What I want to explore this morning is how do we position ourselves? How do we, how do we put ourselves in the place where we are becoming more and more like Jesus. This is more of the, the how. And, and in order to do that, I want to look at Psalm 95. So grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 95. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible under your seat. We encourage you to bring a Bible. In two weeks, we're going to begin walking through Genesis chapter by chapter. Uh, I encourage you to buy a journal today. They're only $5 here. If you buy them online, they're going to be a little bit more expensive. So buy them from us. Uh, bring your journal. Bring your Bible. Take notes. Write things down. It'll help you to remember. But today we are looking at Psalm 95. That's page 499 in the Bibles that are under your seat. A little bit about this psalm before I read it. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, actually, if you want to do something interesting, uh, post message, go read Hebrews Five. I'm pretty sure it's Hebrews 5, uh, where the writer of Hebrews actually takes this psalm and does a beautiful job of telling us what the psalm means. So you'll get another layer of meaning if you read. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Hebrews 5. So uh, beautiful psalm. Hebrews tells us that David wrote this psalm. We also uh, believe that David wrote this late in his life, that this is a psalm of reflection, that David has, is looking back on the highs. He's had some pretty high highs and the lows. He had some pretty low lows, right? And, and he is reflecting on that, and he is writing a psalm about faithfulness. He's writing a psalm to all of us and to the people of God. So why don't you stand with me as I read Psalm 95. David writes, let us sing songs of praise. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Excuse me. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Some of you are singing the song in your head. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. This is the exhortation from David. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to proof, though they had seen my works. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Lord, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for the fact that we have the opportunity to hear your voice. I pray that that sinks in to every one of us this morning, that the living God desires to speak 
to each and every person in this room, not just corporately, but individually, that you know us, you knit us together in our mother's womb, you know every hair on our head, you know our comings, our goings, you know the good and you know the bad, yet you desire to speak to us. I pray that that would be indeed our experience, that each person in this room, each person on this uh, web stream would hear a word from you that they would leave different than they came because they have had an encounter with the living God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. Or I think I'm supposed to say you may be seated. That's probably Sit down. (laughs) Anyway, the first and maybe the most important uh, aspect or, or point of this psalm that I want you to see is that there is an unbreakable connection between worship and hearing God. If you're writing in your journal, if you have a journal with you, I would encourage you to write that. So there is an unbreakable connection between worship and hearing God. And when I say worship, I, I'm talking about something more than what just happened in this room. Corporate singing, a time to come together is important, but it's really just a training ground for us to have worship in everything else that we do. It's also a place where we, where we learn theology. The songs that we sing are often scripture or they're attributes of God or things that we need to understand about God. So, so corporate worship is important, but we're not really, when I use the word worship, I want you to intentionally remind yourself, he's talking about more than what happens on Sunday morning. If Sunday morning is the extent of your worship, you are in trouble. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Listen to what I'm saying. Worship is an attitude of the heart and as crazy as it sounds, everything, keyword is everything you do, can be infused and saturated with worship. You don't have to be in church. You don't even have to be in your quiet time of devotion. You don't have to be in your car listening to worship music. All those things are are good things. But everything you do can be infused and saturated with worship. Worship, let me say it one more time, is an attitude of the heart. In many ways, this was the central theme of Pastor Kevin's message last week. Powerful message, but what he kept saying is we need to remember, but then he said you don't just remember in general, you have to remember the specifics of what God has done in your life. Why? Because remembering who God is, remembering all God has done, is a form of worship. We see it in this psalm. Let us worship and bow down, kneel before the God, our maker. He's made us. He is, he is our, our shepherd. He has called us to be part of his flock. He's remembering Remembering specifically who God is and what God has done. And it is a, a form or a process of worship. As I said in my office, I come in really early on Sunday mornings and just sit with my message and kind of pray and try to get my heart in a good spot before I walk up here. And, and I was thinking about the link between worship and gratitude. Intentionally practicing gratitude is mood altering. Right? And worship is just gratitude with a focus, right? It's gratitude, but it's gratitude knowing that everything comes from the hand of God, right? It's, it's, it's understanding that all gifts come from the hand of God, right? So, so gratitude is an incredibly important part of, of what we're talking about this, this morning. That's why, if you look at this psalm, David warns the people about grumbling, 
Do not harden your heart. Do not grumble the way the people grumbled as they came into the wilderness. David remembers that God has made us, that we are his possession, that he's our God, that we're his sheep, that he's the good shepherd. And because he's God, he is worthy for us to worship. An attitude or focus on gratitude or worship changes everything. Now, a little confession for you. I don't know if all of you know this, but I know a lot of you do. Uh, Meg and I have been entrusted with our four grandkids for 10 days as Robbie and Rachel travel in China for a business trip. We're old. I'm old. Meg's not old. Um, It's exhausting. I don't know if... It's it's very exhausting to have children. Those of you who have children, I have a new level of respect for you. But, But here's the confession. For the first couple days, I was miserable. And I was, I was not kind to the kids. I was not kind to Meg. I was not sleeping. I was not, I was not anything that was good or, it was hard or lovely, right? Like, but something shifted. And the third day, I began to purposefully remind myself that these are a gift from God. That, that my opportunity to hang out with them this much time, and granted, Meg's spending more time with them than I am, but for this period of time, it's a gift, right? It, it's a gift. So I come in Thursday morning. I did a big part of the writing of this sermon on Thursday morning. Wednesday night, which I guess would have been Thursday morning, at about 3.30 in the morning, the two-year-old Grant came into our room crying. Uh, so 3.30 is early for me to get up. So I get Grant up and I purposely bring him up into the bed because he needs comforting. You know, he's missing his mom and dad. He's having a hard time figuring life out without him, right? And I put him in the bed and my assumption is he's going to just go to grandma because they all go to grandma. <laughs> well, not this time. This time he's all over me and I would like pick him up and I'd actually push him over and then 10 <laughs> seconds later he'd be on top of his feet are here. Like no sleep from 3.30 on. I get up, I come in. But I can tell you, had that happened the day before, I would have just been angry. Right? I, I would have just been like, I have to work tomorrow. Like, what is your problem? <laughs> but I just laid there and, and held them in comfort and just kept thinking, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I get to hold my two-year-old. Yes. Now, look, I was still really tired the rest of the day. Right? It, I'm not saying what I was going through was easy, but something shifted in me when I had a heart of gratitude and I saw what I got to do with my grandkids. And honestly, it's changed the rest of the time that we've had. It doesn't mean I haven't had moments. Look, if you have kids, you have moments. And I have to remind myself, even in this process, but, this, but it's like a little picture for me of what the, the gr- focused gratitude can do to change every situation. Worship is an attitude of the heart, and everything you do can be infused and saturated with worship. Work, family, recreation, everything can and should be infused with worship. And when it's not, problems will always ensue because you will be grumbling, because you will have an an attitude that isn't the attitude that we should have. I want to say this because I think it's important. Even the difficult seasons can be saturated with worship. Even a health crisis can and should be saturated with worship. It's not saying it's easy. What the scripture is saying is if you bring your worship to the table, 
you will navigate through the good and the bad in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And the passage is actually saying, I'm getting way ahead of myself. If you do that, you will enter into God's rest. Or saying it differently, if you don't, you will not be at rest. How many of you feel like you need a little more rest? After Thursday, I need a little more rest, but that's, right? So there's this picture of, of, of an attitude of, of purposeful gratitude that is going to bring about what God wants. Look at in the Psalm, verses uh, eight, the last part of verse seven and the beginning of verse eight. So seven and eight says, today, if you hear his voice, the assumption is we get to hear God's voice. Do not harden your hearts. Don't turn away from what you're hearing. Do what God is calling you to do. So what is required, remember the whole purpose of this is to live like Jesus. We, know we are a mosaic, striving to live like Jesus. I'm trying to get to like, like what do we need to do? How do we need to position ourselves? And the only way to position yourself to live like Jesus is to operate out of a continual place of hearing God's voice and obeying God's voice. So to hear and obey. It's not enough just to hear the voice of God. We have to respond appropriately. Hear and obey. When you refuse to hear and obey, verse 10 and 11 tells us, we go astray in our hearts. We don't know his way. We come under the wrath of God, difficulties of God. Even if you get to heaven, you can still have some wrath in your life. We've talked about that a lot. Then you will not enter my rest. But when we stay in a posture of gratitude and worship, God speaks. Genuine worship requires obedience. You cannot worship God authentically and sin against him at the same time. You cannot worship God authentically. You can come and you can go through all the motions of worship. You can, even, you can even trick yourself into thinking you're worshiping, but you cannot truly authentically worship God and live in disobedience at the same time. So God is speaking, right? The question is, are we, are you positioning yourself to hear God's voice in your day-to-day -day life? Jesus said in chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. I know them, they, they do what I say. There is this very clear impression, very clear uh, message that God is speaking and we need to learn and grow in our ability to hear God's voice and we need to be inspired, if you will, to always respond appropriately. God speaks through your circumstances. God speaks through the community of believer. God speaks through the word of God. God speaks through his Holy Spirit when he whispers certain things into your life. God is always speaking and our responsibility is to position ourselves in a place to hear and obey. That's the heart and soul of discipleship, right? That's how we as a church and leadership measure success. If someone comes to me and says, Pastor Doug, I've been reading in the word and God has been telling me to ABC and so I'm gonna, that's the win. If people get to the place where they're hearing God in their own lives, right? And they're hearing God through the community of believers and those things are confirmed in the word of God and they're acting in obedience. There's nothing more that we could want for each and every one of you than that you hear and obey the word of God in your own life. So we're a mosaic striving to live like Jesus to live more and more like Jesus requires that you hear and obey. So these become the 
the grounding truths, if you will, to how we do church and what we do here in the Ministries of Grace. A few years ago, uh, actually I think by now it's probably been about 10 years ago, uh, I asked everyone in the leadership team uh, to answer this question. If somebody came in your office and they were new to Jesus, they knew to following Jesus, and they just said, what do I need to do in order to grow in my faith? What do I need to do in order to become more and more like Jesus? What would you tell them? I had them all write the answers to these questions. The interesting thing was there was a lot of common answers, but there was no consistency to what we would tell people. And so it began us on a journey that took over a year of just asking that question, sitting in a room and sort of... uh, debating at times, but really saying, what is it that someone needs to do? How does a person need to position themselves so that they are becoming more and more like Jesus? If that's our mission statement, how are we helping them to do it? What came out of that is something that we call the six essentials. The six essentials are... (laughs) These are the six essentials, and there's uh, three, what we call outer essentials, because we do these together, and inner essentials, because these are more about what you do, but that you gather. What we're doing right now is the gathering. You need to make Sunday gathering a priority. If you go to a different church somewhere, whatever their time of gathering, if they have church on Saturday night, whatever it happens to be, make the gathering important. There's something that happens in the room that cannot be replicated, even online. And I'm glad people are online and we applaud people online, but something happens when we sit under the teaching, when we do corporate worship that cannot be replicated. So the gathering is part of it. I talk to people often who say to me, oh, you're a pastor. I gave up on church a long time ago, but I still follow Jesus. Look, I haven't talked to everybody in the world, so true, I haven't, but I've actually never talked to anyone who has given up on the gathering and is thriving in their walk with Jesus. You need the gathering, and in fact, we need you in the gathering, because if you're not here, there's a part of the body that's missing. So we gather, the second one is to connect, that's what Will was talking about, that you connect me on Sunday morning, you cannot walk faithfully with Jesus in isolation. If Sunday is all you have, it's not enough. You have to be connected beyond Sunday morning, uh, that you serve. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do something specific. That's what the scriptures say. So when you discover what God has created you to do and you serve in your passion and you serve in your gifting, it's going to help you to grow in your walk with God. So we do these together. And then the uh, inner essentials are generosity, that everything God has given you is to be put in play for the kingdom of God, your gifts, your talents, your money. Everything God has given you is to be put in play for the kingdom of God. The next one is influence, that you are called to share your faith. Always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that you have. And the last one, devotion. Whenever I say devotion, people think we're saying devotions, and we're not. This is the idea that the eyes of the Lord seek throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so that he can show himself strong. So it's about who are you, where is your allegiance? Who are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Now, I would tell you that devotion requires devotions, but we're talking about more than devotions. I would also tell you that these are essentials. These are elements. This is not a path that you walk. You don't gather, and then you're done gathering, and then you connect. It's all of these all of the time. They're almost like pieces of a puzzle when they all come together that help you to walk faithfully with Jesus, to hear God's voice in your own life. I would also tell you, every one of these needs to be saturated with worship. 
right? When you serve, if you serve out of obligation, if you serve because Pastor Doug is about to ask you to, if you serve grumbling, you are not going to receive the benefit of that service, right? Everything we do needs to be saturated with worship. And, and anytime you do one of these, it helps to strengthen the other one. And any one of these that's missing is going to cause uh, the ones that are remaining to, to suffer. Does that make sense? So when you are connecting beyond Sunday morning, the gathering is more rich. When you are serving one another, the connection becomes better. When you are practicing a high level of devotion to God, everything we do in the other five is going to be better. So that's the six essentials. And for the rest of the time, I'm going to talk about connect real quickly. And I'm going to talk about serving real quickly. So connect. The idea this morning is that we are asking you as we come into the fall to engage, to engage in the church, right? To engage in what the church is doing beyond the Sunday morning gathering. The, if you read the New Testament, it's packed full of what we would call one another statements, right? And it's interesting, if you were to write a list of all the one another statements, how many of those can't be done on Sunday morning? It's pretty hard for you to confess to one another in the Sunday morning gathering, right? It's, it's, it's hard for us to fan into flame the gifts that one another have on Sunday morning. Now, some of that should happen from the pulpit. Some of that should happen in worship. But, when, but most of those one another commands require that you're in a setting beyond Sunday morning, right? So you need to connect in such a way that you can, that you can foster deep spiritual friendship, practice confession, fan into flame your gifts, celebrate together, mourn together. As you heard in Will's video this morning, like I said, that really is the message. A deep connection with others who are following Jesus is essential. You cannot walk faithfully with Jesus in isolation. And because you are here doesn't mean you're not isolated. Because you're in a small group, it doesn't mean you're not isolated. This is about a heart connection with one another. So what are we asking? If you are a young mom, join the mom's group, right? It, Come, bring your kids. I, I'm just grateful for Elizabeth and Michaela, and I'm, I'm so grateful for Brianna and the, the hard work that they put in a couple years ago of getting this launched. It's, it's so dynamic what's happening within that ministry. And the moms come together, and people are watching their kids, and they have an opportunity to just talk, to encourage one another in their walk with Jesus. One of the moms said, Allie told me that one of the moms told her, that she came to the mom's group and it was great, but she ended up getting connected in a D group, a, a smaller group of women that are going deeper in the word and having deeper conversations. Look, that's what it's all about. Connecting beyond Sunday morning. She said it's made a pivotal impact in her walk with Jesus. I, I added this this morning, and I just want you to hear, here's what happens at Grace. It probably happens in every church, but this is the only church I've ever led. So we're just gonna use Grace. People come and they get connected in a small group setting and it has a huge impact on their life. And then they practice what I call the us for normal, no more principle. This is awesome. We don't want to mess it up. So no one else can come. Right? It happens all the time. Here's what I want to tell you. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the kingdom of God. Of God, We have to realize what you received, that thing that you received in connecting and community that's helped you to walk Jesus, there's people at Grace that need that. 
And we ought to constantly be inviting them in. God will take care of their relationship. God will, but the us for and no more thing, it is not the heart of God. And we just need, I get it. I understand it. Like, I, I've been there. Like, I, this is awesome. But if it's awesome, invite other people into it, okay? That's right. That's All right. <sighs> All right. Other ways to engage. And we've already talked about some of them in the announcement. Tuesdays at Grace. Right, women's Bible studies in the morning, women's Bible studies in the evening. The women can choose whether they can come morning or night. We have the evening classes. We have Genesis. We have, I called it foundations, but you called it something different. What is it? New beginnings. Uh, all kinds of classes that you can sign up for. Right. So, so come on Tuesday nights. If you are a young adult, come on Monday night. If your ages, woo. They must all sit up there. If you're between 18 and 30, come on Monday night. Jeremy and Michelle have created an incredibly beautiful environment where, where young adults are connecting together. You just need to show up on Monday at 7-ish. Nobody comes at 7, 7.15, because that's the greatest way. Uh, junior high, high school kids, come on Wednesday night. Uh, it makes a difference that you have a group of peers that are walking with Jesus and helping you to navigate something as difficult as junior high and high school and staying faithful to Jesus, all right? So connect. There are all kinds of ways to connect. The best way to figure that out is just go to our website and look at all the different connection types of opportunities. So you gather, make Sunday a priority, connect beyond Sunday morning, and the last thing I want to talk about is serve. Here's the statement. If this is your home church... I'm not saying if you're a member, some of you are members, some of you aren't, but some of you have been attending for 15 years and you're not a member, that's okay. But you would say, oh, that's my church, that's where I go to church. If this is your home church, you need to serve somewhere. You need to serve in the church and you need to serve your community. It's not one or the other. You need to serve somewhere. I'm going to say it one more time. If this is your home church, which is probably about 1,500 people that would say this is their home church, you need to serve somewhere. So here's the deal. I'm, I'm about to talk about some serving opportunities, and if you're mathematically inclined and you're adding it up, it's going to feel overwhelming. It feels almost overwhelming to me to talk about it until you realize there's 1,500 people that call Grace their home church, and the numbers that I'm about to say are nothing when we think about the number of people. You know why it's a lot? It's because about 10%, 15% of the people do almost all of the serving. But if we can turn that on its head, it's going to make all the difference in the world. So this year, Tuesdays at Grace, Pastor Nathan talked about it. We're going to offer child care. We need to raise up 15 to 30 volunteers to take care of the children on Tuesday night so that the adults who want to go to the classes can be free to come, drop their kids off, and be taken care of. 15 to 30 people who have a passion and a heart for children to volunteer. It sounds like a ton of people until you put it against the number of people who call Grace their home church. We have a thing here called sore tutoring. Uh, it's Awesome, we're teaching every willing third grader to read at or above grade level right now. There's 45 kids signed up and we haven't even started yet. For those 45 kids, they come two hours a week, either on Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays, and each of those hours needs to be filled with a tutor or a volunteer that tutors the young person. We give you all the materials you need to tutor them, but we need something to fill. That's 60 hours we still need to fill, 60 hours. We still need to fill in order to tutor the 45 kids that are already signed up. And I'm confident we're going to have more than 45 kids sign up. Sounds impossible until you think about the number of people that call Grace or Home Church. Teach a kid to read. Change the trajectory of their lives. If you have a passion for youth, serve in the youth ministry. If you have a passion for children, serve in children. I got to just say this. We should never close a room 
because we don't have any volunteers. We should never close a room on Sunday morning because we do not have the volunteers. Step up and serve in your giftedness. All right. Everyone in this room has been created with gifts and passion. Everyone in this room is called to use those gifts and passions to advance the kingdom of God and to advance his church. Every person who has said yes to Jesus is as called to ministry as I am. Every person who has said yes to Jesus is as called to ministry as any other pastor on staff. You are called to serve. So every person who has said yes to Jesus is called to ministry in the church and outside of the church. All right. So these are the six essentials. Gather, connect, serve. Right? Influence, generosity, and devotion. Each of these six all serve to uh, strengthen the other. So my word for you today is today, if you hear God's voice, some of you are feeling the nudge that you need to serve somewhere, right? Don't harden your hearts. Serve and serve with a heart of worship. As we begin the fall season, I am asking, we are asking every person who calls Grace their home church to fully engage in ministry. Make Sunday gatherings a priority. Connect me on Sunday morning and serve somewhere within the church. Here's the deal. If you don't serve, you're just a consumer. And this is not a consumer-driven process, right? We are called to give. The scriptures actually say that we are a body. And every single person in this room is part of the body. And it actually says if any one person isn't doing what they are called to do, the whole body suffers. Right? So, so bring your gifts. Bring your passions. Do what God is calling you to do. Uh, there's a couple of QR codes that we have that might make this easier. I think we'll put one up and then in a minute we'll put the other up. Maybe go back and forth. Uh, Chris with these, but you can, this is, will help you to figure out all the different opportunities to get connected, and there's one for serving as well that allows you to fill out, but here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to dismiss you, but I've asked the entire staff, well, maybe not the entire, because some people are actually serving in different places, but I've asked those who are available to be in the lobby on the landing, so go back there and just ask them, how do I connect? I want to do this. I'd love to serve in this, you know, I, I play an instrument. John will be back there. I, I'm a singer. Uh, I, I, I want to use my gifts and my talents, as Pastor Doug talked about. So they'll meet you in the lobby and talk through that. Uh, sign up to be a mentor. Sign up to help on Tuesday nights, whatever it is that you feel called to do. If you're trying to figure out what mom's group is all about, stop and talk to them. And, well, you can even direct you to different people. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to dismiss you. You're going to go back there and have that conversation. Don't forget about the picnic next week. If you come here at 9, you're going to be all alone. Lord, thank you for the opportunity for us just to talk about the six essentials. Thank you for uh, Psalm 95, for this beautiful picture of the link between worship and hearing God. Help us to be people who are deeply grateful for all the gifts that you've given us. Help our gratitude, our focused gratitude to just unleash the voice of God in our life. Help us not to be a people who grumble of people who harden our hearts, but help us to hear and obey. That's just in Jesus' name. If you need uh, prayer for anything specific, we have a group of people that will meet down here. Uh, as we prayed in the chapel, the people that prayed beforehand, uh, this is what they heard. You need to stop fighting 
uh, because God is fighting for you. So you're trying to make something happen you don't need to make happen. Let God do it. Uh, someone is not sleeping well. That might be me because of the grandkids. <laughs> but it might be you as well. We'd love to pray for you. Someone's having right ear problems. A teenager looking for more of God. Uh, and God re- is releasing a new strength, especially to try something new. And there's someone that has some throat issues. So if any of that resonates with you, we'd love to pray over you and pray for you. If you have another need, physical, spiritual, a little bit of both, uh, we'll pray for you well. If you're online, uh, we would love for you to call during the week if any of those resonates with you. And we'll set you up with a pastor and spend some time praying with you and for you. God bless you. Go to the lobby, find those guys, and let's get connected this fall. Thank you.